Welcome to No Queries, the podcast about everything data. I'm Eric, and with me is Mike. Hi. Yeah. So, uh, still don't have a good good intro here, but I'm working on it. That sounded um, like an intro. Yep. Uh, so, what what brings you here? What is your uh, what is what is your current role with data? How do you interact with data? How do I interact with data? So professionally, I interact with data uh, as a data engineer. I took a job about a year ago. I just hit my one year mark uh, as a data engineer. And prior to that was technically a full stack developer, but was never taught how to do anything but data. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so data with a really crappy interface on it. Yeah, yeah. I was a data guy who got hired as a full stack developer with the intention of teaching me the rest of the stack. And uh, never happened. Yeah, it turns out there's a lot of work to do with the data. Yeah. So so, so I, I took this role that's fully data engineering and um, was onboarding with a particular business unit, the inventory business unit where I work, uh, and was starting to learn sort of the complexity of that process. And then two weeks after I started, I got pulled into a meeting with my boss, boss's boss, and his boss. And they said, hey, just kidding. Uh, we're going to put you on this other project. Um, we don't even really know what they're asking us yet, but we know we need to deliver it because the business has been informed of how much of an impact it's going to have financially for the company. Uh, it has to do with marketing and Google and uh, good luck. And, um, and that ended up being the complete construction from scratch of a system, largely data. It's, all, it's almost all data work to house uh, transmit and then receive back and, and sync our data with Google AdWords. Okay. Yeah. So, say, do so a lot of Google analytics stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I was charged with doing primarily the data work for that. And so after about a month of hardcore research and learning about the business behind it and how our model might look and taking a first couple of conceptual passes at that, uh, I, with the buy-in from our architecture team, determined that we should go Azure SQL. We, we needed our, the yeah. we're a Microsoft shop and it was a transactional database and, and it was, you know, it was going to be somewhat highly normalized. So I, I, that's what I know and that's what I'm comfortable with. And so mm -hmm. I got buy-in all the way up through the DBAs. <laughs> and then the day after we got buy-in from the architecture team, my boss's boss's boss uh, pulled me and my PO into a meeting and said, so... We're really pushing towards being more in Snowflake as an, oh, really? as an organization. And we want to take advantage of an opportunity building something from scratch to use that platform. This isn't tr truly a transactional system. So this is what really kind of what we want you to do. So it was one of those like in a very nice and very professional way. It wasn't it didn't feel like strong arming, but you kind of, you know, when you're told from that level where they want things to kind of be right. tool wise, then you say, okay, well we can make that work. Right. Especially I was 10 weeks into a new role. <laughs> like I wasn't going to be like, you can cram it right. You know? Yeah. And, and so, so we, we built it in snowflake um, and used uh, a variety of workarounds and tools and really kind of we're on the bleeding edge of our organization's interaction with snowflake on finding out the limitations of what it could yep. do, learning about the cost of, of our impact in terms of, of processing um, and downtime and uptime. Uh, and, and eventually our, the app side of our team actually built a really interesting um, .NET application that is the first for our company that's, that's using Argo, Argo as an orchestrator. 
and Azure Functions to actually feed up to, I think we're up to a series of, in Google land, it is a total of 11 APIs we have to hit in order to okay. interact with AdWords at the scale that we're interacting. Yeah. So we basically took a thing that Google said, don't do it. We're not built for it. We don't want you to do it. We're not going to support it. And marketing said, no, nah, it's really going to make us a lot of money. If we do it this way, figure it out. Yeah. And, and we did it. This is one of those things that Google, we're pretty convinced, is watching very closely so that they can figure out how to market it to other companies in the future. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. You know, yeah. or, or at least, uh, hey, this is how you don't do it. I mean, yeah. I'm happy to be part You're of that process. Be a, a white paper for something, one way or the other. Exactly. Right. Like, glad just, you know, put my name on it and we'll see yeah. what happens. So, so yeah. So, so anyways. I, I'm I, curious. Why, do you know why they went with Snowflake over, if they're a Microsoft, Microsoft shop? Uh, why, why Snowflake over other tools? So the, the understanding that I have, and again, like I'm a year in, right? So I've learned the, the type of person I am and how I interact with, with, with the company I work for is probably different than a lot of people. So I think in a year, I have a lot more of an understanding of how the organization works than a normal data engineer would just because I'm a little more of a political creature than that. right? Right. And the impression that I've gotten in the span of that year, and especially at the outset, is that um, we had we as a company had made a, a large investment in Snowflake as our tool for warehousing in the future. So mm-hmm. we were migrating things into that space and using it for um, for that type of thing. And the intention from the business side of the IT department was: we've made this investment. We think this is the way to go. And we want to see how it works. I mean, that, that's honestly the impression I get. And yep. that is both terrifying and kind of awesome. Yeah. I, right. Yeah. Because Cause you're like the proof of concept for a whole organization. We're the guinea pigs. Yeah. Right. But also to be a part of someplace that's willing to take that risk with a very important project to literally say, right. yeah. this is where we want you to do it. And you know what? If it doesn't work or if something changes where it's not that way, then we'll figure it out later. But yeah. we want to see how this works. We think you're the person to make it work right. and go. Yep. And so, you know, I tell people my, you talk about interaction with data, the, the work that I do every day, I, I get paid pretty good money to learn stuff. Yeah. That's my job. Yeah. That's pretty much. My job too. <laughs> um, I just think it's interesting. Obviously snowflake is the thing right now for data warehousing. Oh, their IPO but, was just after I started there. <laughs> everybody was like, why didn't I buy it? But I've been doing a lot of work in Synapse because my company is very big into Microsoft products. Okay. But I'm curious because I've done, I did a little like with Snowflake just to, you know, fire it up and reversion and try it out and put some data in it. Sure. Um, so I'm curious in how working with them is different. But You know, my exposure is, is kind of, you know, kind of limited just because it's within the context of one right. project. Sure, right? mine like, is too with Synapse. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the, 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 the power that they offer, the fact that it's all, it's built in mm-hmm. the cloud, right? Yep. They're, 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 they're not transmitting something up that used to exist or trying to like with Azure, trying to provide the same thing, but not on-prem, right? right. This was from the get-go. So, so with, with Snowflake, the, the ability to scale up resources on demand with the speed and literally with nothing other than a, you know, honestly, you could flip a variable on something calling from Python just to switch, which warehouse you're running on. Right. And, and you can, you can, you know, I do hate that terminology where they used warehouses. They're like processing power. 
Yeah. yeah. I was like, why did they go with that? Yeah. But I guess everyone is terrible at naming things, but speed, yeah. right? The ability to, to effectively scale up with, you know, you can go 32 X in terms of your, of your ability yeah. to move data. Right. It's spinning up more nodes. To uh, run, absolutely. To right. On, yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, so that's been interesting to just be able to see something work and say, all right, coming from an on-prem SQL brain space, this is taking five minutes to run. Why is it taking five minutes? The answer isn't you should go look at your indexing and make sure your statistics are up to date. The answer is how fast do you want it to run today? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So it's, it's how um, much do you want to spend to make it run fast? That is, well, yeah. it, that's, that's correct. Snowflake is very good at making that the last thing that we talk about, yep. which is how fast do you want it to run? Great. Yeah. Here's your bill. Yeah. <laughs> so does it have, like integrated data lake capability, or are you going to, are you going to like build your data lake? To be honest to, with you, I don't know. Okay. We are somewhat, I wouldn't say we're siloed, but we, our shop is very right. much split between engineering and BI. Mm-hmm. Um, my group works with Snowflake much more than the rest of the data engineering world, simply because we were kind of told to. Right. Um, and that's just the world we live in now. But honestly, I do not know what our strategy is. And, and you would design that planning for a, an Azure SQL. So obviously, you're planning to have a more database structure, but I'm curious. Yes. So in Synapse, Synapse is like a large term and you have your SQL pools, which is basically a pool of SQL servers mm-hmm. that form together to give you the processing power okay. of a large, you know, column store system. And then it also directly ties into to uh, Azure Data Lake, which is basically just container storage. Right. So you can do both. You can dump your data into a SQL pool in a, in a structured format, or you can dump files into your data lake, and then you can query them all together through uh, Polybase, which is able to query like the files. Got so it. So through so through like your your IDE, which is basically SSMS, right? You can query into both of them. It's Got it. Like they're in the same. So it doesn't really matter whether you're storing in a data lake or into SQL or a relational store. Um, That's interesting. So it fully integrates across that. What so and and I guess the, your question is the one that I can't answer. Yeah, like I'm wondering if is, Snowflake has any capability like that of like you could store structured data into your more you know database part of Snowflake, and then does it handle a data lake, or does it have to query off of like HDFS or or some other data lake storage system? Given given the timing of when they were built and their emphasis on integration with larger systems. I would assume that they've got that capability right. pretty well rounded out. Yeah, that's yeah. So I'm, I'm just curious there because I, I like that about one thing I liked about Synapse is like it doesn't really matter where your data stored. You query it all the same, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, right. From someone who's got limited sort of exposure to different tools. Yeah. That's reassuring. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like it's I really like that everything's moving towards like it doesn't matter what language you use. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's all kind of works the same and, and you just do it. So is it so and and when you talk about it, you talk to it the same way, no matter what, is that just ANSI SQL? Is it? Yeah. So I I mean, I use SQL because it's just what I use. But I I think you could you could Python into both of them, like your SQL storage and your your data lake. Probably whatever method you choose to. I just do a lot of SQL because that's what I do. But (laughs) well, right. That's your world. Right. Do you have any exposure to the sort of the object oriented world to Python? Yeah. So like I've done Python. It's more scripting and and just, you know, data movement type stuff. But, you know, imagine if you get into more of the data science thing and you really want to like, you know, 
do some modeling and things and you could you could hit whatever your data in synapse is using that cool i just i haven't done that yet neither have i yeah my 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 python learning is in like week three yeah and has been for a year yeah that was the front end of the pandemic (laughs) it's one of those things where like i'll I'll get good at it just to catch up and then i don't use it for a while and then i gotta start from scratch again and, and ramp back up but makes sense yeah you've got the tool to kind of you've got the tool to sharpen yeah like it's there just <laughs> yeah you know until i get like a yeah it's like anything like i haven't used you know power bi in a while so when i get into that in a couple of weeks i'm gonna have to like quick refresh on that and okay remember how to make reports when was the last time you worked in power bi um like six months ago so six so months like, so yeah. power bi back when i was exposed to it this is oh yeah four and a half years ago. yeah and that like prior to the six months had been like a couple of years. So, so in that back then, at least power BI was iterating quickly. Like they were really pushing release stuff out. Is that still the case? Like six yeah. months passes and you, you have it's to go read quick. some stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of, I don't know. There's as much changing to the core reporting as much now. I think they kind of got that, but there's a lot more in terms of the infrastructure around it of like security and the portal and you have data sets and you have data flows and how you're driving the data in and how you can manage multiple reports that hit the same data set. And there's a lot in that area that keeps changing that I don't, I haven't messed with. And, you know, then I get asked for my expertise on it. <laughs> yeah, let me go research real quick. So yeah. hold please. Yep. Got it. So, all right. So Python is a tool that you sharpen when you need it. Power BI has become one of those. What other, what other tools, I mean, what, what other tools in your tool belt? What, what other, <laughs> what, what other technologies that, that you've yeah. worked with in the past? Like what are, what are ones that you think of the same way? Things that you've done in the past that you felt comfortable with, but X number of months or years have passed and you would have to sharpen to get back to that as opposed to something like SQL server where right. you know, there's, there, there are changes, but they are massive and kind of iterate in chunks of four to six to six, eight years yeah. and it's moving a little faster now. And especially now, cause like synapse SQL works different than Azure SQL, which okay. works a little different than SQL server. So you got to kind of like dig through that and remember which one is doing what, but, um, um, I mean, in, in, I'd say most things outside of SQL, which I've used pretty consistently, constantly, even like other databases, Oracle, uh, Postgres, uh, DB2, like I've worked with those, but it's been a while, but I'm sure I could, could like get them back up quick if I had to connect to them. Um, when you work with DB2, is it because DB2 is there and you have to touch it or is that yeah. an ongoing thing anywhere? I mean, is DB2 still actively? Yes. Really? Banking. Okay. Now, anything that is a very traditional and really just wants the most established, never changing thing that works off of like the oldest technology possible, which is probably why I think of it the way I do. They find DB2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's, it's only when you have to use it. <laughs> yeah. My knowledge of DB2 is the thing that used to have all of the market and then yep. it never changed. So everybody yeah. else took the market. Exactly. <laughs> but any businesses that never want to change, they got DB2. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, we've still got one out there. Yep. <laughs> I think everyone does. That's yeah. an older company, at least been around for a while. Um, reporting, it's something I kind of do on and off, but it's like such an important skill. Like if you work with data, you're always going to have to have some interaction with reporting at some point. I can't Um, imagine not. Yeah. Even if it's just to prove that your stuff works. Exactly. Even if it's just to build a report to show like what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Like you want to show, oh, hey, we need to log, you know, a 
a data pipeline and how much data is being moved. Let's build a report around it. Um, it, it seems to always come up and it's just from a, like when you look out and what's jobs and stuff mm -hmm. like reporting is still like, it's, it's not the flashiest thing, but it is still the most sought after thing out there. Do you think that's a, is reporting a functional way to, I mean, you talk about getting into data, like what, is that a way to, is that a good path to get into data and then jump off from there? Because yeah. I hear, you know, I, I work with some really smart people mm -hmm. whose description of their previous experience writing reports as, yeah, all I did there was write reports. Yep. And so now I, I left because I wanted to do other things. Exactly. It, is it, is it a thing that is it is it one of is it the skill that you hone and then move on if you want to do I won't say bigger and better but different things right. do you leave that behind other than like you said the the re, the reporting that you need to prove whether something works yeah. or what your levels are um or are there people who stick with that and I think like there are people who stick with that okay especially I mean I think there are and the experts I think they I mean, there can be like, if, if honestly, if you want to go like freelancing and data, like reporting is the way to go. Sure. And, and then that's up to your own skill at, at freelancing um, because it's the easiest thing to jump in and help out and, and do without having to get, you know, it's a little harder with data engineering because you're usually involved in larger systems. Oh, but sure. Right. The tribal yeah. knowledge you have to pick up. Right. Is, yeah, sure. I mean, same thing with reporting, but it seems a bit easier to just be able to access get the data, build reports, people that stick with the reporting. Yeah. So I think there are people that stick with it out there. I think a lot of people though, it is more of an entry thing. It's kind of, and I don't think this is correct. Kind of like look down a bit. Um, okay. As, as a more entry skill. So I think a lot of people view it as a way to get in and then move on to development or, or uh, engineering more type roles. Sure. But I think it is a very important skill. And I, I think that's why it's a very entry level. Cause it's, sought after it's fundamental still. it's really sought after though and so people still need report writers and the report writers tend to move to other roles and they just keep filling those so so it's a really good way to get in um and it's a skill that i think is important to learn so i think it's actually probably the smartest way to get into data what do you um, think's right what right now is it still is it power bi is it tableau is it i think it's excel it's I mean, neck and well honestly there's yeah there's Excel's a lot of it out there, there. Yeah. um but i think if you're trying to move I think learning Power BI or Tableau would get you closer to maybe if you want to move to something else. Or I think if you're the Excel guy, you're the you're the Excel Excel person. I, I mean, in terms of the tools, I, there's always like new ones and fancy ones. But I'd, I'd say I think market is pretty split between Power BI and Tableau. I think Tableau still probably has the lead, but Power BI seems to be uh, innovating quicker. Yeah. Yeah, right. And that's been the case for a little while. But and just Microsoft's ability to integrate it with Excel and, and other Microsoft tools that dominate the market give it the advantage once people see it's it could be easier. It kind of depends on your, your data and your company. But. Do you. All right. So when you talk about integration, do you mean, you know, uh, the, uh, the Microsoft BI stack or or the data stack that they employ? Or are you talking like Office 365? Office 365. Okay. And I, mainly, actually, a big one's Active Directory. The ability to oh, do yeah, your security yeah. around your Active Directory, I think, is it probably its biggest advantage. Um, that makes a lot of but sense. Yeah. And then just being able to like quick connect Excel into, you know, Power BI. And I mean, you know, Microsoft's, none of them, Microsoft or Oracle or any of the big, big ones like SAP aren't always the best at integrating their own tools together, <laughs> but 
they still tend to do it better than cross-platform tools. So I think that gives Power BI like one of its edges. Um, but obviously Tableau has some other other strengths. Them. When you think about those being, I mean, just to keep going down the path of the entry level is a weird term to use. I know. There really is There's not no intro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but when you talk about that sort of path and and what what people do when they start there. Is that, I mean, when you think of that, do you refer to that as a reporting role? Is that an analytics role? Is it a... It really depends. This is one of, like, our data roles are so terribly defined. They're named um, even better. And they're, yeah, bad names, <laughs> bad defined. Every company uses them differently. I think it depends on your company. I think sometimes it's reporting. And I'd say the reporting tends to be more focused on just the visualization part and not so much data skills um, data skills in terms, in terms of, of identifying SQL, being able to go out collect data interact with the systems being able to do more lifting on that end okay i think bigger companies that have more of a report writing role it's literally like you're they're fed the data and they just build the report on it um which is again still a big skill being able to make a useful report it needs needs to be taken more seriously because they're so bad yeah well <laughs> like, i'm glad so you said terrible. that the reason i'm glad you said that is because like when i think about making a report right i think about just displaying data in a way that's consumable yep right but i never i i fail often in determining where between analytics and reporting falls the or if it's both depending on the name you use right where where the where the identification of what a key performance indicator is mm-hmm. in that data versus just putting it on a page. Right. You know, is that more of an, does that lend itself to quote unquote analytics? I would say that. Yeah. That's probably like if you, if somebody's called a report writer in a company, I feel like they're probably not doing that. They're just taking the data, throwing it on a dashboard and sending it out. Got um, it. then I think once you get into uh, analytics was probably more on like the analyzing the data to derive the insights, business intelligence, Another course term thrown out there. And that could be that would might be more, you know, KPI oriented of okay. working with the business to figure out what the key performance indicators are. Um, and then, you know, building a dashboard that actually conveys that clearly without convoluting it and and gives you the big picture. Sure. Um, so if you want to get the best job, then you would be a business intelligence reporting analyst. That is, or, or, de- yeah, or developer, whatever, or I've seen engineer lately too, because engineering's, you know, popular term now, but anything related to business intelligence is probably the big picture in the report citing of things, but it could also include data warehousing. So even that one's is like, what do you do as a business intelligence? Some people very focused on reporting. Some people are building out data warehouses and doing it, data modeling and, and all entirely kind of focused so, on the movement of that data. Exactly. And the, yeah. Right. And doing ETL. So it could be, again, it's all over the place. Um, it really depends on the company. Um, and, and actually we'll, we'll segue good segue. We'll go into our topic Ooh. of the day interviewing. So when you're interviewing with a company, not just getting the job, but making sure you understand what their title and def- definition of what the job is. Very important. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what, what is your, what is your experience inter, uh, interviewing or well, inter, I guess, is that the same word both ways? Interviewing? Yeah. yeah. You're interviewing if you're doing the interview and you're interviewing if you're. Been on both sides of yeah. it many times. <laughs> and I always refer to it with that word. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's interviewing. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, just to, to, to continue the segue, 
if you're talking about understanding the requirements of the job that you're interviewing for, mm-hmm. which is just as important as them understanding that you can do it or, or that they want you to do it. <laughs> I, I would hundred percent agree. You don't, you don't want to end up with something that you hate because it's, it's, you know, Hey, you're going to be, you know, business intelligence and you think you're going to be building a warehouse and you are literally unable to, you know, even connect to the data. You just get whatever you want and they just want you to throw it on a report and hand it out ad hoc as soon as possible. Give me one of them dials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah give me a dial. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, right. I, I, I would agree with that entirely. It is, it is strikingly easy to be miserable. Yep. It is. And it is, it is, and it is, and, it is, and it's easier than you think to not be miserable. I, but I, I, but I think that's a big part of it, right. Yeah. To, to, to find that role that, that suits you or that is at least sold to you as such. Right. Yep. Oftentimes we oh, yeah. learn, I mean, I described Obviously. it earlier that things change quickly and that's not necessarily an, a bad description or being sold a bill of goods. It's just because shit changes constantly, right? You cannot go to a company and walk in the door and not find some point in your first six months where the answer to something isn't, well, it ain't this company if the thing doesn't change every two weeks, right? Yeah. Like, because it, things change, yeah. right? So, so yeah. So back, back to the interviewing thing is to ask, ask questions and not just ask questions to prove that you know how to ask a question yep. or that you went on the website and checked out the mantra. Yeah. It, it's important to understand what you're getting into. And I find that that's a conversation that doesn't happen enough um, as an interviewer. Right. Right. I, I have, I have, I have hired and fired for non-data roles in my past life. And now I do this. I, well, I interview and, <laughs> and, and have a, a lot of input into hiring and firing decisions. Not quite signing the checks yet, but, but I think that, that it really, to me, there are umpteen different things that go into evaluating a candidate when you spend time with them. And, and, and a big, big one for me, when I give that feedback, which I, which I hope is taken into account, I feel like it's pretty well respected is, is how the candidate interacts with you. Not just are they friendly, not can they explain what a subquery is and why sometimes yep. they're bad, but really understanding, you know, what about this job lines up with me? What maybe doesn't? Where don't I understand those things so that I can figure it out? Um, and then from the just making yourself more palatable as a candidate standpoint, yeah. if you can turn it into a conversation about why it's a good fit, not can, you know, am I good enough for you, but are you also the right place for me? That's much easier to do when you have a good job and, and, and you can come to it from a position of strength, but right. it is, it is. And if, if you don't like, I mean, obviously like you, you don't do a lot of interviewing and you especially if you really need a job, like you're just going in, like, I gotta, I gotta win them over. Like you don't, you don't worry about, you know, I'm going to ask questions and if they don't, yeah, if it's not a good interview in my style that I like, or if it's not a good conversation, like I'm just going to move on. Like it's it's hard, but like, that's why I encourage people to do a lot of interviewing. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. Cause like it took me a while. I mean, I was terrible at interviewing, um, but now I, I think I'm pretty proficient at it. Sure. And, and like, I don't like, you know, and my thing is, like you said, it. I look for the conversational interviews. Like, are we just taught, like you fall into that flow of just, Hey, wait, how do you feel about that? You just start talking about, you know, job and data and, and different roles and things. And it just feels smooth. And like, if I go into one now and it's just like the barrage of tech questions, you know, I can, I'll knock them all out. And then I leave and I'm just like, you know, 
not, not gonna, not, not taking that one. Not what I want to do every <laughs> exactly. day. Like, you know, it's like, they didn't even ask me anything about like, we, there was no conversation. It was just, you know, sure. they, they barraged me with tech questions and then we moved on. And I know like there's a big, you know, big popularity and like getting into fang companies and the big, you know, the Googles and the Amazons out there. And it's like, they're big in the lead code tests and things. But honestly, like if I get, if I get an interview and they start doing like, you know, puzzles, <laughs> I, I just end them. Like, I'm like, all right, this isn't going to be a good fit. I got to go. Like it's, it's, you know, it's not, yeah. it, it's not relevant to the job and it's not, you know, the environment I want to work in is well, like, that's, that's the important part, yeah. right? It's not just that it's not relevant. Maybe it is relevant to the job or no, no, I'm talking about like leak code questions. Okay. They're not relevant it. to the job. So I mean, tech questions are sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, you always expect like, you know, at previous ones I did, like it was enough, like you just got sent out like a, you know, a link you clicked on and you answered like a handful of tech questions in 30 minutes and sent it back. And it's like, if you could write competent answers, you know, you pass the technical proficiency. And then the actual sure. interview was all about like the conversation and, and making sure like, you know, you didn't just, you don't just know tech questions, but you know how to convert that into business value. Exactly. Team fit. And that's a big yeah. thing, right? I might know all the answers to the questions, but am I self-taught? Yeah. Am I book taught? Can I relate things to experiences? Like I can tell you all about CTEs, but if I don't know how to put one in a query, it's not a right. skill. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, so give me what one example of a, of a, of a, of a, a lead code question, a question that, that either made you stop that interview and say, this isn't a fit for me or, or, or at least made that switch flip in your brain. And, yeah. and later you didn't. Um, consider it. Yeah. So, and I don't know if it's actually truly lead code. I don't know if you know what those are, but it's like the Google questions of like, how do you, what is the code to invert a, a binary tree? Um, you know, stuff like that, that you literally know if you've looked up the lead code problems. Um, there's a website called lead code. Um, and that would be why I don't know what we're talking about. That's, yeah. that's why I'm asking. Exactly. Like, what are those things that would. And that's, and that's big companies like Google can do it because they have unlimited candidates. Right. Good point. So how do you filter out unlimited candidates? They got to do something. Sure. Google themselves say it doesn't work and predicting whether people are good at the job or not, but they have nothing else to go off of. So they do it. Um, Fair. But now other companies will do it to try to be like them and they don't have unlimited candidates. They miss out <laughs> on a lot of good candidates. So, um, um, but some of, some of mine, like when you just get in and it's just like, there's no conversation and they just like, a lot of times it's very vague things. Of, like, I'm very like, grounded in my like data. Like I need actual data and like, you know, context around it to work with it. And it'll just be like, Hey, let's pretend that you have this. And how would you do? I I wish I had some good, I'd have to think about like what some of them actually were, but it's like, you know, how would you write a query to solve this? And it could be like, it's like some simple thing. And then the bad ones are like, they're looking for a specific answer, like some, some abstract thing that, you may or may not have worked with recently, or it might be in your head during an interview or something. They, they want like a specific answer to how to do it. And then there's no real data. So it's like, it's the whiteboarding coding where you're like writing code on a whiteboard, Mm. which is of course not how you really code. So it's a weird, weird situation. It's all that to me feels more like a personality test. Like how does this person respond to being put in a situation that they have never, that's what people who, who support it say, well, you know, it's not so much about how you answer the code. It's more of a personality thing. And like, there's ways to do that without exactly. And I prefer a conversation to get the personality than like putting somebody in an awkward situation and seeing how they handle it. And then like the really bad ones though, are when like, so one of them I had, like I, I, 
set to think through the problem as that's how I approach problems. Sure. But like the interviewer was like putting pressure on me of like, Oh, well you could do this. And have you thought about this? And like, it was very excited that they knew the answer and wanted to feed it to me. And I was like, okay. So then the next one, I was like, I can't stop to think. I just got to start answering and writing stuff or they'll, they'll be all all like, you know, all over me. And then like they were still, and then I, I of course, you know, did terrible because I'm not thinking at this point. And then, um, and then I was like, you know, this is not, not my style. (laughs) I'm just gonna, we're going to cut it here. (laughs) So I, I remember just to put a bow on the technical question side of things and how that can be useful or not. I'll give you an example of where it was very useful An abstract, like here's a pen and paper and a sheet of questions. Mm -hmm. This was back when I was first getting into like a true data role. Right. So like was in over my head. Yep. A hundred percent. But, but I, I've never been bad at interviewing. Right. Like that's, that's a skill I have. I'm, Mm -hmm. I am, I am good in a room. Right. Um, So, you know, even if I, bomb technically like people think hey what a nice guy I wish he knew how to code yeah. <laughs> um, and so i was so so out over my skis with this role it was for a consulting position i don't even remember who it was with and and i had never had a job truly in data yet i think it was my first interview and i got in there and i was i just was so nervous and proud of myself for getting to the point where the guy said hey man great here's what i want to do Uh, I'm just going to leave you in here. Uh, It's just a standard set of questions. We just want to get an idea of how you think about this problem and how to solve it with SQL. It's just a pen and paper, like Mm -hmm. just write out kind of what you're thinking. And it was, it was, it wasn't as bad as what you're saying, right? There was like an actual, like, here's kind of what the schema looks like. Yeah. And I, um, man, like, I think the words when they escorted me out of the building were, Hey, everybody really liked you, but we just don't think the skills are a fit. <laughs> and I being overly anxious and yeah. about trying to get a job, not with them at this point, because that ship sailed, yep. was I asked the question. I said, hey, cool. Okay, I get it. Right. Like, I'm not going to question whether you think my skills line up or not. That's your decision. But where, like, where did I go wrong? Was there a particular question where I just didn't have the answer you were looking for? Was there a type of query that you were, that was, and they, <laughs> the answer was all of them. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and, and that, yeah, that, and that may have just been not so much not knowing the answer, but maybe not knowing how to speak technically yet, which is a big difference. Absolutely. Right. Different than how you might normally approach an interview. Soft skills yeah. in an interview and like what we started talking about, which is asking questions that will give you an idea of what your role is yeah. or who you'll be interacting with every day. That's sort of one side of the equation with right. technical roles that I had never been, ex- I'd been exposed to that. I'm sorry, because I, I'd always done those and had those mm-hmm. skills and, and use those to screen out my own candidates when I hired my own people. And as a technical person, all of a sudden I had to be able to speak that language right. in a way that, not only conveyed that I wasn't completely lost, but to give a technical definition and in doing so use words and say things in such a way that just give the little nods to the fact that you have some experience doing what you're talking about, you know, just, just a, a, even just a way of speaking that I, I can pick up from a candidate who's interviewing for a senior data engineer role I can pick up from that person pretty easily just through talking through a couple simple questions. Yep, exactly. A little bit about their level through a couple questions, 
but a lot about how they learned and how, when was the last time they used this thing they're trying to tell me about? Yeah. Because someone that does it every day is going to tell you what they do. Mm-hmm. And someone who learned it on a website or a, or a Coursera course or whatever, they're going to give you the technical definition and maybe some pluses or minuses yeah. about it, but God knows they can't tell you. So, so I think yeah. that plus also like we were talking about earlier, but the speed things move, like if it's oh. maybe they haven't, they're interviewing for something that they really haven't done that much or recently, they'll be giving you answers that are clearly out of date. Yeah. SQL, SQL Server 2008 answers. Yeah. Where I think, yeah, great answer, but there's a better way to do it. And, and it's not that they aren't technically proficient. Right. It's they, they haven't been exposed to it. Exactly. And so yeah. feeling those things out is big, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think, you know, in terms of interviewing, I, I think just to go all the way back, to what we were, mm-hmm. what we started talking about before I veered us fully off course was, was the idea of, of, of making it a conversation to find out about yeah. who you're working with exactly. while you're interviewing. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, nobody needs me to tell them how to interview people. I interview people the way I interview people, but, but as, as a candidate, I was in a role for three and a half years. I don't move around a lot. And after three and a half years, I finally was actually interviewing again. And and to be back in that situation again, even though I was working with data, I mean, I was doing cool stuff every day. I had to reframe myself to be able to talk about it in a way that explained it to other people. Exactly. Yeah. They don't need yeah. to know about what an open item is. Yeah. They don't care. They want to know about how I interact with a transactional database right. versus a, a warehouse platform. So asking those questions, like you said. Yeah. What am I going to do here every day? How did you start here? Let people tell you their story. I mean, my goodness, the, the things you find out about a company and how people progress through it just by asking a couple of people that you interview with yeah. about how they treat people, um, how people came to the opportunities that they have. You know, hey, I, I stabbed this guy in the back, so I got his job and now I'm interviewing you. That's not an answer you want to hear. Right. Well, even like just hearing if they're like if you ask them about like what's going on? Like what's interesting in the company? Like what, what's exciting you about the company right now? And they got like, yeah, I just come in every day and you know, like probably not a very fun place to work. Like if, if they don't have any like excitement over, over the project or, or what's going on. That's a great like, question that I've never asked. Yeah. Maybe I, in a different form. Right. Yeah. But what a great way to just get that conversation started, right. gauge whether they're happy there or whether anybody's happy. Yeah. But then a jumping off point, Having that, I mean, that's, that's such like an anchor to relate back to, to say, all right, this is the thing that, that you're excited about. Maybe other people are too, but here's what I've done or here's why I'm excited about it too. Yeah. As yeah. And then you can tie in. Cause if it's, if they're not excited about anything, red flag, if they're excited about something that is totally unrelated to your interest, then probably not a good alignment either. Um, but if they are excited about something you're interested, then you can talk about it excitedly too. And then, you know, probably win the interview right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. I, like, I will, I will use that <laughs> in future advice. That's, that's a very good. Yeah. One. Like it, gauging like, yeah, that, or, or if it's not, that's usually more geared towards like the manager role. Cause they, you get in the bigger picture there, but if it's like, you know, uh, like peer interviews, like then it's more of you know, which favorite thing you've been working on or you know, same kind of question, but just probably worded a little differently to get, you know, more of the, the day-to-day 
kind of thing? Yeah. One one thing that I've used repeatedly in interviews as a, as a candidate that's that I helps me figure out whether it's a good role for me is to ask a question similar to what you were just talking about, which is maybe not what's your favorite thing going on, but what what do you work on now within the company? Again, same thing. You can figure out whether somebody hates what they're doing right now real quick. And, and two, to, to even follow it up, if there's time, and hopefully there's time, is to follow it up with, okay, what have you? What else have you done with mm-hmm. Company X? Yeah, you know, what have you done with them in the past? And give them a chance to again sell you, right? Because at the end of the day, okay, yes, there are fifty people interviewing for four spots. Fine, right? That's not. That's not. That does not uh, comport or comport. That's the word I'm looking for. It sounded good. It, well, thank you. <laughs> English major still isn't hung on the wall. I still haven't used it. Um, if 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 it doesn't relate, I'll use that easier word. If it doesn't relate to the relationship that you're forming right in that moment with that person, then it doesn't do anybody any good, right? So I think it's important to to take the time to find out, like you said, what's what's going on. What is a typical right. day like? Yeah. What like what do you do every day? Or tell me about like what a week is that in your experience in a role, or what what would my week look like? What are my, and if you really want to get a good idea of what expectations are for the role, what is the, for this role, do you guys have a set expectation for 30, 60, 90 days? Is it regimented? What's the onboarding process like? Like, you know, is it, is it just a bunch of here, you know, here's a one note. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Or is there some sort of structured training? Absolutely. Right. Right. A big one that I use is especially in a larger company. Well, actually, no, this would apply to a small company too, because data, especially, but IT in total can be abstracted from the business. Mm -hmm. And I find that problematic personally, if it's done organizationally, some people in data don't care or they just, they don't want to know that stuff. Right. But, but if that's really, if that's obscured, that's a problem Mm -hmm. for me. Right. And, and I think a problem for the department. So yeah, I get, I'd say, yeah, that's a good one because it's getting a good feel of like, you know, how do you, how do you interact with the business? Like, are you, do they expect you to go in and talk and learn and, and, and build relationships and deliver directly? Or do you have, you know, a more of like a software development team of your, you've got a BA, you go through them, there's a ticketing, it comes down from on high, you just do your ticket and, and deliver exactly requirements given. And Neither is right or wrong, but that's very much a personal decision. And I found that you're generally pick one or the other and you are not happy. And if, if it's not, can I, can I tell you when I hear the word ticket in an interview as a candidate, that's when my mind completely shuts off. Yeah. As soon as I hear the word ticket, yeah. whether it's a ticket or not, you describe it to me as a ticket. I'm out. Yeah. Which is funny because, because <laughs> Alexi, who's also been on the podcast is the exact opposite. He just give me my ticket and let me solve the problem. That's He's cool. a very yeah. technical person. Not I. Yeah. So it's, it's really, this. So it's a good, good thing to like judge is how does the work come in and how do you interact with, with your stakeholders? Sure. Do they teach you about the business? Right. Yep. You're expected to, to learn the business maybe, and that's great. And there's some interaction with maybe you and business interests as a developer, you can walk over and ask questions while you're working on mm-hmm. something. That's awesome. But are you going to be given the basics of what someone does every day yep. or, or beyond that, the room to explore that? Right. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I don't get to find out in a structured way or, or through some sort of training or onboarding process, what the, uh, what the retail side of my business does. Okay. Well, if I work on a retail project, 
will I have resources available to me to go ask those questions? Mm-hmm. You know, right. because at the end of the day, you know, they can, people can have expectations for you, but sometimes you got to go out and get it. Yep. Can you go get it? Yeah. So, so my current role, that's very, like, that's a big thing is we knew what we needed. We had no idea what it was or how to get it or understanding it. It's very complex data source. Mm. So it was very much like we, we're going to have to go, you know, make contacts, talk to those people, make new contacts and think, find the people who understand this data source and then work back from there and figure out how do we get to our goal. And so there was a lot of that and just, you know, meetings with people that like we just we would just have meetings and throw out what we're doing and they'd be like, I don't know why you're talking to me. <laughs> you should try this other person. And we'd be like, all right, we'd go over and, and do the same kind of spiel to them. And well, in a, in a post COVID world too, with things being, you know, your position is remote. Yep. Right. I am remote by choice, but we've got sort of a hybrid work environment. Mm-hmm. Getting those meetings in the first place. Yep. Getting in front of people to find out who you need to talk to without being able to go kick a door is really tough. Yeah. So that's probably not a question for an interview where you can say, Hey, how easy is it for me to No, but <laughs> it is, I guess in, in the current situation, it is good to know like, Hey, you know, are you, are you remote? Do you plan to be remote? Uh, are you set up to do remote? Or are you just kind of hack? Cause like I'm, I'm lucky, like I'm remote and my, the company I'm working for is very good at remote. Like yep. people are responsive, people are online, you know, People just jump into to Teams meetings and and calls and it's it's as smooth as I want my remote experience to be. Sure. So, but not every company is like that. You know, I I worked for one just a few years ago that I don't know how they handled this because like they would just use you picked up a phone and called like they didn't have any any sort of Slack or online messaging service or let alone like video calls. So I, I don't know how they got through this, but. Uh, my my previous employer, who I was with when COVID hit, made that transition pretty well. They had a they had a really good disaster recovery or or sort of a, a, a contingency plan in place. They would have drills where we would do a work from home drill mm-hmm. just just make sure that the system yep. can handle it. And that was that came in really handy. They had some bumps and bruises along the way. I was there for a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but I was in the office a few days a week. There, I was required to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was local, and uh, and there was a phone on my desk. I had a mm-hmm. phone number. Yep. And sometimes people would call that phone trying to get a hold of me. And I, I disagreed entirely with that method of so, communication. So I, no, I unplugged it. Normally I unplug my phone That's and then I worked at this one company and I first day I unplugged it. And then they're like, we got to have a call on the, you know, we do a conference call for our standup and I'm like on the phone. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, click. Let <laughs> 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 me reconnect that real quick. And yeah, as and like I've also worked at other places where it, people would work, you know, work from home frequently. Sure. Like day, day, week, two days a week, whatever. But they would do still do the meetings of like everyone go into a conference room and they did remote person would have to call in and you could not hear is, you know, bad audio. You couldn't hear anything. You're just sort of sat through the meeting and been like, I don't know what's going on, you know. So like it's still even though they had the, some of the tools, I still don't think they were like really what I would say is a good remote company. Our best developer was in the Philippines. Yeah. I don't know how he existed. The yeah. guy, I mean, people didn't pay mind to him in meetings. You think about background noise when there's situations like that and how it just completely destroys whatever you're trying yeah. to hear. If there's any kind of crosstalk, forget it. 
Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. It's, and then and then I moved from phone company to another much more, much more advanced company. And it was like so smooth. Like we just, you know, we hopped on on teams. We, you know, our conference rooms are actually well designed to easily be able to like bring people in mm-hmm. um, good audio, visual quality. Like it was just so much smoother. And it was like it, you know, like, you know, we had t- top developer moved, you know, out of state and did not slow anything down. So like, yeah, I, I don't know the good questions for that yet because everything has been remote. But finding out if a company is is fits your work style is pretty important. Maybe just ask, you know, I I I so I I switched. Obviously, you have too, but I I left at the height of the pandemic, right? So this was end of July of of two thousand twenty. Yep. It was when I made the move, and and uh, you know, I they barely let me come in and pick up a laptop with a mask on and mm-hmm. one person there, and people were squirting stuff all over the place, right? So so I asked the question when I was interviewing for my current role was how do you guys meet remotely? Yep. What platform do you use? That's very enlightening as well, not just in terms of whether you like Teams or you like Zoom but or, or Slack or whatever the given tool is. But like you said, when you ask about what you're excited about right now or what's the thing that you're working on right now, mm-hmm. you can gauge and they can say, Ugh, yeah, we use Teams, but yeah. Exactly. Right. This it company means, doesn't yeah. have it figured out. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. Just like, or man, I can't wait to get back to in-person meetings. Like, okay, well, you probably haven't figured it out. Uh, so another question that I thought of was one I actually asked you earlier. I mm-hmm. asked you, why did you decide Snowflake? So in interviews, asking if they mentioned their technology stack, asking them how they came to that decision or why they chose it can give you really good insight on whether or not basically you're uh, this doesn't apply to your situation because you're brand new, but I'm saying like, if you're asking, you know, your, your leadership, yeah. how did they come across technology? Did they say, well, you know, we got the team together. We, we sat down, we did some proof of concepts. We evaluated a few different options. Them. These are the reasons we picked this one. That's a good sign to me. Like, but if they said, oh yeah, I know this is just what we were told to use. Like, so that, that gives you a, a, a like an alert to me of, hey, you're probably not going to be very involved in the decision making around tooling or large architecture decisions, which is. Sure. Or if, or if the conversation doesn't go that way, there's another way to approach that. I think that comes to mind, which is, OK, you're a, you're a SQL server shop. That's great. That's why I'm interviewing, because I'm a SQL sure. server guy. But, you know. What other tools do you use? Have you always been a Microsoft yeah. shop? Do you guys are you integrating anything else? Have you looked at other ways to do ETL? Are you integrating Python? How do you schedule your stuff? Is you know, and allowing that conversation to take place. Again, yeah. if you're with the wrong person in the room, they might just not care, not know. True. So yeah. Kind of have that yeah, might I'm be talking, another manager question. Yeah, it's it's, it's probably well, it could be a, a teammate. Like, hey, did you have input into like and it doesn't have to be a necessary platform, it could be within if you're an Azure, you know, why did you choose to go, you know, are you using data factory, using functions? Are you using um, you know, what are you using and why, or, or an AWS, you know, same thing, like you're using Lambda or using, you know, glue or, um, redshift imports and stuff. So like, you know, why, why are, did you pick that architecture in general? And so it's just like, ah, that's what we've been doing. It's what we, it's what we do. Like, you know, to me, it'd be like, well, I don't like that answer. You know, I want to hear like, you know, here's all the cool stuff we did and we tried out. And to me, like, that's a more you know, company that's willing to try things like you're in your case. Of like, yeah. We're We just, Hey, you know, sure. We've always been Microsoft, but we want to try out snowflake and that's really cool. It's so like, you know, or let them save themselves in that situation too. Right. Like that's, that's just how it's been done. Okay. That's fine. 
but you also can gauge the answer along the lines of, you know, like you said, all right, yeah, we've just always used Redshift for this, but this is why it's cool as shit. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they that, have a, that's motivated that's, that's a good it. answer. Yeah, and it obviously depends on the role. I tend to target more architecture roles. So obviously, I want to be heavily involved in the architecture. Sure. But you know, if you're targeting more of an analyst role or something, then yeah, you might you might have less you know choice over Power BI or Tableau because switching between them is very expensive and difficult. So you might be just be stuck using what what. But you're probably applying for that reason. But, you know, why, why are you excited about what are you doing interesting with Tableau that makes it, you know, a fun place to do? Sure. Yeah. What what what, you know. For, your, for all you Power BI folks out there, if you're looking at Power BI positions and you haven't asked this question, you probably should, <laughs> is how much of your stuff is still in Excel and how are you working to move it or how much of your stuff is in SSRS? And is there a plan to change how that reporting happens, you know, and use that as another jumping off point to understand, again, if not only is there a plan, but is this person excited about it? Right. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. When it's, it's all Excel. We got to cells are just a disaster. Yeah, we, we still got to deal with those. Like, OK, that's not great. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If I hear ticket, that's a no. If I hear macro, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's here's something that I've I've done a lot of interviewing as a as a as a, a future potential coworker, not as a candidate, which I guess that translates both ways. Mm -hmm. It was put very succinctly for me. Um, my director right now, when I first started doing interviews with my current company for prospective candidates, um, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for it, and yeah. and 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 this question really caught me off guard when we circled back and everybody fed their thoughts in together. There were six people that touched this person. It's a senior role. He just asked the question at the end of any regroup session. Do you want this person on your team? Oh yeah. I now approach every interview. I it's always in the back of your mind, but now that is something that I, everything is in that context. Now for me, mm -hmm. I can figure out where your technical skills lie or I, you know, 10 people out of 10 are smarter than me. That's fine, right? You might be better at this than me, but I can figure out kind of where your skills right. lie or if you're full of shit, if you, if you call yourself a nine and you're a four, that's kind of relatively simple to figure out. I feel like I can get a grip on someone's personality pretty well. There's nerves to account for. And yeah. some people aren't used to being on a camera. Fine, whatever. But at the end of the day, if my particular employer were to hire this person, would I be excited about that, whether they're on my team or not? And then furthermore, would this person, would I want to spend my day working with this person? If they're a junior, would I enjoy teaching them things or, or talking about what they're thinking when they build stuff? If they're a senior, would I enjoy being a peer to this person? Right. If they're being interviewed for a management position, would I, if, if I had to report to this person in two weeks, yeah. would, would that be a, a bad thing? Am I agnostic? <laughs> You know, so to, to approach it from that framework mentally of, do I want this person on my team? Not can they do the job? So many people can do jobs and so many people do jobs in different ways. And quite frankly, like I am uh, a pretty technical person. I learn things quickly. Right. But I, I am lacking in some technical skills. Sure. Right. Everybody is. Anybody right. who is in his line. Yes, that's very true. Right. And, and right. That's. It's good to be honest about that with yeah. yourself because otherwise you'll be miserable every day. But I think understanding that someone, you know, if you are, where are those gaps? 
how would they be filled? If, if you don't have that technical skill set, can you learn it? Do I want to teach it to you? Right. Uh, or and that might be worth taking somebody who has weaker technical skills. 100%. If you have a feeling they could learn and they would just be fun, fun to have on the team and like benefit you, you know, maybe they're eager to tackle the, the jobs that nobody wants to do to learn. Like I, I wouldn't discount them just because they kind of bomb the technical part. If you think that they could make up for it in other ways. Direct experience in the past six months with interviewing people who were clearly not cut out for a senior role. And we did not have a junior role. We carved out a junior role yeah. because the answer when asked, would you want this person on your team from everybody was absolutely, yeah. but not at this level. Right. Exactly. Put and them I, in and they're going to be a rock star. And I've worked at places that we, we only do senior people. Yeah. That's so stupid. Like yep. you have no growth. You have no, like, again, there's tasks that senior people don't want to do because they're tedious and they've done them a million times, but junior people would love to do it. It's like, yeah. And then. Sure. Or what do you do with all your senior people when they want a new, a, a pay bump in a new position? Right. You yeah. got to have a growth plan. Yeah. If you don't, you're just, well, it's just turnover. Yeah. That, exactly. And that's, that's what that, consulting. That's show. what that, that company did is they just, they would hire people. They would straight technical questions, hire people with no idea if they were a good fit mm -hmm. and turnover rate was like ridiculous. <laughs> It's like, or, or not turnover, not just from people leaving, but like, you know, getting rid of, cause it, they would switch to contract to hire cause they had so many bad hires and then they would just get rid of the contractors before they would hire them. And it was just like, maybe you guys should get better at interviewing. <laughs> nope. That nope. was never, that was never the option. We're going to figure out how to make turnover easier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one way and to then, approach a problem. You know, talk about how bad the, the pool of candidates is. Yeah. Yeah. So why aren't we getting the people that fit? Exactly. Thanks for listening. Check out our data videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash no queries. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss out on future discussions with Mike. And Eric. Well, yeah, I'm just always here. Oh.